feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Welcome back, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. It's uh, Dom and Chris here, and uh, we're recording down here in Angle Studio for all of your recording needs here in Tucson. And before we begin, as always, come and check out our social media pages. They should be listed below in all those graphics. And give us a like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube and all our social media platforms. And uh, Chris, what do we got today? Oh, man, we're talking about a basketball legend who nobody likes. Nobody likes him. such a weird take especially from this era who we have people like even if you didn't like him you almost respect him right and it's like he's great and everyone Not respects this, this game it's like that uh, scene in the simpsons and band lisa likes millhouse nobody likes millhouse today we're talking about basketball's millhouse his mom says he's cool isaiah thomas his mom loves him more than anything isaiah thomas one of the best point guards in his era can't deny but- it but, God, we'll get into how many people he rubbed the wrong way. It is crazy. When you go through it and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. Chris, he is one of the most talented point guards, not only of his era, but NBA basketball history. But I yeah. think it takes yeah. even more talent to be that disliked. <laughs> to be that disliked by swaths of people. Not just specific groups. everybody. <laughs> Literally, it takes more talent. To, to stick with him for four or five years on a team because that's what it seemed like was guys were like, I can't, I can't play with him anymore. I do not like you. Yes. And one All of the guys the we did an episode on, too. We'll yep. get into that. I love that, where he was just like, nah, I hate him. <laughs> just like, damn. All righty. Isaiah Lord Thomas III. What, Whoa. was Jesus taken as a middle name? Like... And the, it's little Lord Fauntleroy, uh, born uh, April 30th, 1961, on the west side of Chicago. A very horrible place to grow up. Segregated, very poor, uh, rough upbringing. His dad was a just a, one of those awesome dudes. Awesome that, dudes. That uh, was super violent in the house. And I think it was when Isaiah was like five or six, his mom ended up leaving his dad and became a single mom. And I think Isaiah had six brothers and sisters. He was the youngest of nine kids. Nine kids. Which so. is insane. And his dad was actually my math on that. <laughs> a supervisor at a uh, like a warehouse plant. But when the plant closed, like he had a good steady job yep. enough to support the family after they had moved up from Mississippi to Chicago. But then once he lost his job, the only job he could get was as a janitor. And he took out his anger and frustration, not only on his wife, but the rest of his family. And his mom decided one day after one of his older sisters graduated high school, I'm out. I'm just out. And yeah, decided to become a single mother household and raise these kids on her own. And it it was interesting. Which is terrible because she's only supporting them on one income. Yep. And it's very tragic for Isaiah and his older brothers and sisters who aren't out of the house to have to grow up in even worse poverty in an even worse area. And his brother said it was like very sad to come home from school that day, see their dad's stuff all packed up and he was like leaving. But also they were like, oh, good. 
good because yeah. it was so ridiculously violent, which that's the kind of like thing that's so sad about those relationships where you're just like, I love that guy, but man, is he a piece of shit. Yeah, uh, but, like, and that's, we appreciate the janitor paycheck, but please don't beat our mother. Yeah, just crazy. don't do it. It's crazy. Just don't do it. Um, I love the fact that he was Isaiah. We're talking about now um, was like almost destined to be on the basketball court. Like yeah. even when he, he was started a kid. young too, like yes. age three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you see that story about when he was the water boy for his brother's team? And yep. and what I love about these like younger brothers is they always say my older brother, his older brother, Larry, he was just like, he was the best basketball. He was way better than me. Yeah. And you're like, oh, the streets got him or what, you know. And that's I, what happened to his older brothers. They'd be like, do as we say, not as we do, because crime, drugs, everything at that time. It's like that bad, bad Leroy Brown song, only for realsies, everyone. It's terrible. Didn't realize that was a documentary. <laughs> I didn't re- Thank you, What's Jim Crouchy. Docu- yeah. <laughs> a suckumentary? A suckumentary. Yes. <laughs> but they, like, he would go to his brother's games and like perform at halftime. Yep. And like do all these crazy dribbling stuff. Uh, skills competitions and shooting and like you knew he was going to be great and to his brother's credit despite the lifestyles that some of them were leading they wanted to protect him they put almost a shell around him as far as like go follow your dreams kid get the hell out of here and they almost became like his managers which we'll get into oh yeah in the in his high school but this is the thing that i feel like benefits younger brothers or younger siblings so much is they get to play against their older brother's or sisters, and just get dominated. Cheryl Miller. Cheryl Miller. Uh, and just get dominated, and it really makes you a better player playing with better players. Like, that is just yeah. like the old adages that you'll just see throughout all of these sports is you're just like, oh, the younger brother played with his three older brothers, and they critiqued his game. Look at the Watt family right now. <laughs> I, exactly. <laughs> and they critiqued his game since he was, like, three. You yeah. know, it's, it's crazy to think that his his brothers really shaped his his everything. You so know? after he's uh, dominating as a youth player and going to Our Lady of Sorrow school, oh, those Catholics always so upbeat. Chris. Is this the is this the school that was like he had to leave at four in the morning? Yeah. yeah. So his brothers, to their credit, almost like their almost like his manager. That's what I- um, they went around Chicago in the suburban areas of Chicago, outside of Chicago, and uh, were basically shopping his skills and scouting point guard. Yes, yeah. they were like schools. They were like uh, because there were a couple of powerhouse teams, and they were like, "Who needs a point guard?" Which yeah. is crazy in that era, but they they really did that. They were ahead of their game, man. And he ends up taking four buses all the way to the end of the line, Saint Joseph School in Westchester, which and is one train. Yeah, one train. <laughs> It's It's crazy. You have to wake up at four in the morning, and we're talking about winter, not in Los Angeles, not in San Diego. We're talking about winter in Chicago. Yep. That is like some Siberia gulag shit, okay? And he said it was a little racist. A little bit. In Chicago, Chris, I would have never guessed. One of the only black guys to go, if not the only one. And he's a student athlete there as well. But he comes there to St. Joseph's, and by his junior season, uh, he leads him to the state finals. Yep. He's emerging as one of the best, not only players in Chicago, not only the best in Illinois, but in the entire country as a 6-1 point guard. And by his senior season, he's one of the top prospects in the country and basically can go anywhere that he wants to go to school. Now, he meets up with somebody. He in does these, meet up with somebody. In the streets of Chicago. Yes, he does. And this guy comes back with our sports spider webs. Spider webs. Um, 
it's interesting because I heard them talking about it. It, it. It's to think of what basketball was on that in that time is you would hear about other players. Yeah. And you'd hear about other players in like your age group where you're just like, oh, you got to go to this playground. And play against this guy. And then play against this and guy. And then when you beat him, you level up to the next boss. And I was just going to say, <laughs> it was I'm literally, I, that's why I loved it. Because that's why I felt like it was literally like, oh, no, no, no. The Chicago video game <laughs> was this. And then he meets up with, give it to me. Mark Aguirre, right? Mark Aguirre. Yeah. And this is my favorite Isaiah story after he meets up with Mark Aguirre because they play uh, summer leagues together. Yeah. And he goes, Mark showed up. And scored 50 points in the first quarter. <laughs> of quarter? And then picked up his stuff and left. Did he take his shorts with him like Will Chamberlain? Damn right. <laughs> and, well, Isaiah said he just picked up his stuff and left. He was like, I'm done. Because they were just, they were that kind of assholes, if, you, if that makes sense. Because yeah. they were the two best prospects. Mark was a year ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And Mark goes to DePaul. Yeah. Um, and Isaiah to, wanted to go there and takes to Paul to the final four. And they actually had an agreement to come and play together. Yeah. Uh, because they knew how good they were. Do you want to get right? What was his senior year? Like, so that's no, 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 you can go into it. And then, so well, he was looked at as one of the top prospects. Yeah. But it was known that it was literally to Paul or Indiana. Yeah. Indiana was his other choice coached by Bob Knight. So we had perfect season not too long before in national championship. Lots of rage, lots of chair throwing. And this is... I love this story. Well, this is where I feel like it is literally like the white basketball team. At, oh, yeah. The, at, this is Duke before Duke, and Krzyzewski yes. used to be a night assistant. Yes. Yes. Um, and DePaul is a Chicago... This is what Mark wanted. He said we should stay here in Chicago and make Chicago the big... like, Which yeah. I, I liked a lot. Um, but Bobby Knight shows up, all bravado, throwing chairs. Throwing chairs, cursing. They he gets in an argument with his, well, I don't know which older brother, but one it of It was his, multiple older brothers. Uh, because they wanted him to go to DePaul, yeah. and they thought he wasn't going to be used for whatever, whatever. Um, I thought Isaiah's comments on it, because he was about picking what college it was. He just goes, you see guys nowadays, they'll have their little press conferences and they're like, I'm choosing to go to Florida state. Yeah. And you're like, all right, good he for goes, you. I pick a hat. What, he, what he said, he just goes, my mom said, Isaiah's going to Indiana. <laughs> that's, and that's literally what happened. He called Mark up. He said, Hey man, I'm not coming to DePaul because I need to change. And I need to get out of Chicago because something bad's probably going to happen if I stay because yeah. they still were, you know, living in poverty. And it was probably one of the best. His mom moves. probably just wanted him to experience something new and just get the hell out of there. Because if you're going to end up getting out, don't stay there for four extra years, yep. despite your f- best friend going to the school you really want to go to. Yes. <laughs> so he chooses Indiana and Bloomington with Bob Knight. And they already get off to a rocky start in the 79 Pan Am games. Well, he ends up coaching with them. And he really, I, I feel like Bobby Knight, because he said he he would never or not like criticize his game, but he would always criticize his like attitude or what he would do almost like off the court. Yeah. Because he wanted him to be that point guard general, and he was almost that selfish point guard at that time. Yeah. Like share it. Don't you know? Just go for eighty. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but he kicks him out of practice twice during these uh, summer Pan Am games in 1979. And he's like, you'll never play for Indiana if you play like that. But uh, Isaiah, 
doesn't let it phase him that much as far as he probably wanted to go back to DePaul. He said he wanted to go back to Chicago, but he stays, which, which ends up actually being kind of good for him. I thought it was really good, and if it was nowadays, he'd be in that transfer portal easily so fast, Yeah, which is, I mean, and Bob Knight, he, to his credit, lets him become the point guard that we kind of see. So I don't know. Mesh if he, of styles, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if he would have be come as great of a point guard later on if he didn't have these two years in Indiana. Yeah, because his first year, he's uh, first team uh, freshman All-Big Ten, uh, 79-80, 15 points, uh, six assists. They make the Sweet 16. And then the following season in 80-81, they're completely dominant. He's arguably the best player in the country. He gives them he, – he, Bob Knight gives them the captain. Yeah. Um, and like you said, he they really take over and – this is where you see him become this point guard that, I mean, he lives up to the hype. And he's 20 years old, 19, yep. 20 years old, and just absolutely incredible. Um, they end up winning the national title that season. He's the Final Four MVP, and people are thinking, oh, man, another season of him in Indiana. But that's not the case because he has even talked about this, why he decided to leave school after his sophomore year. Um, three months before the national championship game, he went home back to Chicago after a tournament in Hawaii and just saw he like walked in the front door and it looked like a bomb had gone off like the poverty and squalor that his family was living in he's like I need to give me some of that cash money right now well and that year he said one of his childhood friends died yeah um his mom had a heart attack and then when he went home he said like they didn't even have because there the heat wasn't on so he was just like it was like icicles in there and it was like <laughs> it was so bad and you could see and that's why I kind of like that colleges are starting to pay these student athletes <laughs> because he was just like, there's no way I can go back and play for free. And yeah, because he was playing for free mm -hmm. for the amount of money that he was raking in for the program in the university. He was playing for free and yep. absolutely dominating. But uh, he goes out in the 1981 NBA draft and there's two players. Two players at the top of everybody's draft boards. Isaiah and who else, Chris? Mark Aguirre. Mark Aguirre. And that was the thing that, actually, I think it was mom or maybe his brother was saying. They were like, Chicago was so proud that draft. Yeah. Oh, I had it was to be. two guys from the west side. And they came up together. It was just like all of that where you're just like, that is so awesome. Like, it, it, it really made, I bet, basketball even more vibrant in, in chicago oh, yeah. it's like take that new york yeah you know take that boston take the, that everywhere and we know the bulls were number one in 81 so. yes they were <laughs> <laughs> so in uh, 1981 uh the mavericks have the first pick in that draft and they take aguire and then the detroit pistons a very craptacular franchise at this juncture of their history are picking number two and they decide to take isaiah to be their messiah yeah that's essentially what he was taken to be. And he turns the team pretty much quickly right around, if you really think about it. Well, he, he brings this floor general, because that's, that's really what his, I feel like his best attribute is, is he really leads a team as the point guard, and you see it with him... Like you're saying, right away. Not all the pieces are there in place, but his presence just being there makes them a better overall squad until you can find 
the specific pieces. Well, and better. then you just start building. That's yeah. the thing that I think he he GM really Jack McCloskey. That's exactly what he did. He's like, this is our cornerstone. Now yep. let's build around. Now it. let's build it. Yep. So uh, in eighty one, eighty two, um, he wins the Rookie of the Year. Um, Seventeen points a game, almost eight assists, and uh, over two steals. And while the Pistons have a losing record, they're not. At the top of the lot, I mean, there's no lottery, but I mean, they're not the shittiest team in the NBA anymore. No. Um, the following season, um, he leads the NBA in minutes, has a career high, almost 23 points a game, um, almost eight assists, and they get a new coach this year, Chris, and a very important coach in Chuck Daly. This is where the I feel like it's the first big piece because mm-hmm. he, a lot like chair thrower Bobby Knight, he knows how to like get the best out, out of Isaiah and... This is really where you see the Pistons of the 89, whatever, 91. Like, this is the two, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where, you, where you see the cornerstone of like, oh, the point guard and the coach. Yeah, the coach has a system in place where he's like, let's run and get in a little bit with our athletic point guard. Yep. But let's get some toughness, too, with some players that I've known before. Mm-hmm. Um, 83-84, uh, they make the playoffs this year. Isaiah has a great season. Mind you, during all of these first 12 seasons we're going to discuss, Isaiah makes the All-Star team. Every year. Making the All-Star team in the NBA in the 80s actually meant something. And it, making the All-Star team, on the, especially like later on, the East was just so stacked. Yeah. That, that, but not he was just always like that front runner of point guard. Because like in the West, you have the Lakers as the team, and then the occasional Blazers or Rockets run kind of peppered in there. In the East, it's just Titans fighting each other, mm-hmm. and the Pistons are trying to get into that mix yeah. with Isaiah. Um, 21 points a game, uh, 11.1 assists, and in their playoff series, this is the first time people outside Detroit kind of Indiana see how good he is well they lose in the first round in five games to the Knicks um, in the uh, final um, game five he has something like I think 16 points in the fourth quarter yep. to send the game to overtime and while they end up losing to Bernard King and the Knicks you're like wow they could be really good this team could be really good because they're starting to add pieces to their front court like Bill Lambert and then later Rick Mahorn and they start developing a bit of an identity. That's right. And that was the thing I feel like with these late runs is they're like, oh, they're a tough team and they almost lean into that. Yeah. Where you see that winning mentality that they'll take you to the wire and yeah, we come back next year with almost a a Pistons team that we could recognize. Yeah. Um, 21, uh, just over 21 points a game. He led the league in assists with almost 14. 4.5 rebounds from your point guard. I, I don't care that. who you are. He was, I mean, say what you will about him, the person. He was tough as shit on the basketball And he wasn't very tall. No, we're not talking one. about we're not talking about magic. We're talking more of like a regular size point guard. But he was there, and he understood. I wanted to how bring to get this rebounds. up. I read online that one of his nicknames was Pocket Magic. Which I found so funny. But then I thought, pocket magic, that just sounds like another name for a lady's marital aid. That's all I'm throwing out there, sports experience. Isaiah, listen to me. We have a sponsorship deal. (laughs) Just hear us out. Hear us out. I've got a plan. I've gone to the bank. They're ready to go. Say yes. We need you to sign on. That's all we're waiting for. Blue and red, number 11, everybody. No, (laughs) so... 
84-85, they sweep the Nets in the first round. I believe Daryl Chocolate Thunder Dawkins was on that team. Yeah. And then they go into the semi or the uh, Eastern Conference semis to face the Boston Celtics. And this is the Celtics that everyone recognizes. The, the Celtics everyone ugliest loves or hates. <laughs> the ugliest team. Recorded history. Yes, they are. Um, they lose in six. Isaiah has an amazing series, though. Yes. Um, almost 26 points a game and uh, over 10 assists. Um, the following season, they um, end up having a first-round playoff exit to the Hawks and Dominique Wilkins, but that still doesn't stop them from averaging almost 27-12 and 12 in the playoffs. I mean, Pat Riley's even discussed this. He was like, there's a four- or five-year run in the 80s there where he, that's some of the best point guard play we've ever seen because he had every skill you wanted out of a point guard, like everything. Just everything. And like I said, probably his best – attribute isn't on the score sheet which yeah. which we see coming in this next year because they kind of had this rivalry brewing with the Celtics they like didn't shake their hands and they were like obviously this was like the right the cusp of the bad boys mm-hmm. so like they were starting to really foul and like I think 88 is when Rodman shows up yeah 86 87 because they oh. have acquired Mahorn and yep. then they have uh, a young John Sally, a young Rodman. A young John Sally, which is even weird to think of. I know. He still looks very young. He looks yeah. great for his age. Oh, yeah. But still, I always Lambeer think of him. Lambeer and to... Joe Dumars on this squad. So, yeah. And they have another guy. They have another guy. They acquired from the Utah Jazz, from Utah, where they don't allow music. That's true. One a Adrian Dance. Former NBA scoring champion whose style of play we discussed in our episode. Go listen to episode 99, Adrian Dantley. Great player. I think he's in the Hall of Fame now. Uh, his style and Isaiah's style don't clash on the basketball court, and they don't clash, or they don't They do mesh. clash, yes. Yeah, they do clash, but they don't mesh off the court or on the court. And, yes. Well, it, it, I feel like this was probably, probably the... W- only bad um, acquisition from this team was Adrian Dantley's style. Just they were trying to run and gun, play more a rough and tumble, share and he the was ball, get open a, shots. He was po- and at six five, and we talked about it in the episode. He could post up with the best of them yep. during his era. He was tough as nails, which he wanted on that team, and he could score whenever he got the ball. The problem was, if you passed it to him, you're probably not going to see it until the next possession. And Isaiah didn't like that, and they really hated each other. So there was kind of like this, I bet, ridiculous tension in the locker room because a lot of people hated Isaiah in this time. And Adrian think, Dantley is a frosty motherfucker, too. I think when Mahorn <laughs> first showed up, yeah. he told him, he just goes, hey, you're fat. That's literally what Isaiah's like first things were talking to him. He was Dude. just like... I, I don't – he's such a dick. It's so funny. Did I ever tell you before I lost my weight, one of the reasons why was my sister's uh, – my three-year-old nephew came up to me just one day out of the blue, pointed at me when I weighed like 250 pounds. He was like, you're fat. And then he walked away. I'm like, why? Damn you it, dick. Kid. Isaiah's like – he has the filter of a three-year-old with his teammates. Yes, 100%. <laughs> so in 86-87 – they're a Leviathan now. They're ready to finally take on the big bad Celtics. Isaiah has another great season, over 20 points and 10 assists per game, almost four rebounds. First round, they sweep the bullets. Then they take out Dominique Wilkins and the Hawks in five. And then we get into a very rough and tumble Eastern Conference Finals. There was a game where Adrian Dantley was knocked out with a concussion. Yep. 
And then in game five at the Boston Garden with the series tied two to two, we're late in the game, and Isaiah makes a great defensive play. The Pistons have the ball with but, almost no time left in Isaiah's uh, inbounding. I'll it. tell you what, it was a game-winning play until he gave it away. It was a game-winning play until the next play, that, which was which, a game-winning play opposite for Larry Bird. <laughs> Larry, you're um, Larry Bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a compliment. Thank you. He's like one of the best basketball players of all you time. You can't just do that, Mac. <laughs> so Isaiah's inbounding the ball, and he talked about it. He's like, this was the first time in my career where I ever felt like I lost a game yes. in the playoffs. This, I even wrote it down on my notes. It was like the mistake in his career. You don't yeah. see it happen any other time. Um, he literally... I don't know what happens. He just said he got nervous. He got nervous when he saw the ref counting because mm-hmm. you have to inbound it within five seconds. And then and Chuck's, trying, Chuck's to, trying to be like, God damn it, we have some left. Chuck's trying to call a timeout, and he gets nervous. Um, he sees the refs counting down, and he just throws it in. Throws it right to Larry Bird, who makes an excellent pass to Dennis Johnson to get the easy layup and put the Celtics up 3-2. to two. Granted, you're going back to Detroit, but you got to win two instead of one. Yep. And while they win game six, they end up falling in game seven, which had to be just devastating. Yes. Because, and, well. Especially with the Celtics, who, like we said, they had this rivalry. It was one of the toughest series where you start to see them become the bad boys. Yes. And because they're fighting back. Because the Celtics were no slouches in their own right. No, they were the originators <laughs> of it, I feel like. Yeah, them and the Lakers. But uh, Isaiah has, this is where we start getting into the dick Isaiah, because after this series, he has some comments about Larry Bird. Well, technically, Dennis Rodman has some comments, but Isaiah says, you know what? He piggybacks. I agree. Yeah. Well, so Dennis Rodman comes out and he says, if Larry Bird was black, he'd just be another player, which Which is ridiculously awesome statement to me. (laughs) After you lose to him, you're just like, come on. But it's it's funny, and it's I feel like this is our first, first glimpse into Rodman. Because he was beloved, but it's our first glimpse into Rodman being crazy. That's what I mean. But it's also our first glimpse into Isaiah being – because he was – you know, that cherubic assassin well, that everyone I, wanted to like. I heard the the I heard Isaiah's quote. So they, they let you hear it uh, in exactly what he's saying, and he's like laughing saying it. Like yeah. yeah, yeah, if he was black, he would just be he would just be another good guy like us. Like he was like <laughs> literally but it was like he never should have said that, especially after the comments, especially in that era. I mean he should have been Dennis. Just stop. Yes. <laughs> just like just stop. Everyone get out of here. I'm going to talk to him. As a leader would do. But he doesn't do that. He laughs right along and just keeps joking. He has to make some apologies with Larry Bird at that year's NBA Finals. And, oh boy, Isaiah. If that was, if that was just the first and only, I think we'd laugh about it I now. think we would laugh. But th- there's more. There's more in the following seasons. Uh, 87-88. Now they're pretty much hell-bent on kicking the shit out of Boston. Um and Isaiah, and Boston's old, and yeah. they're and they're Jordan's not Jordan yet. Like it's everything is kind of set up for the Pistons this year. 
Um, yeah. They go into the playoffs. They get by the Bullets in five. Then they beat Chicago in uh, the next round, four to one. And then uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals, finally, they get over the hump against those Celtics. In that series, uh, Isaiah has 23 and 8 a game as far as points and assists. And now they get to play his buddy in the finals, his other buddy, Magic Johnson in the Lakers. Old Magic. Old and Magic. Uh, they originally were friends. Yeah. Possibly lovers. Possibly lovers. Possibly hate each other down the road, which we'll discuss. You know, we'll, we'll let you figure that we'll one figure out. We'll figure it out. Um, and they meet and... It's a back and forth series because the Lakers are... This is showtime, Lakers. Um, worthy... Yep. Kareem. Magic. Kurt Aids. Rambis. Aids. God damn. <laughs> Kurt Rambis is the greatest looking basketball player of all time. AC Green not getting AIDS because he's a virgin. Um, so God, AC. Six. The Pistons are up 3-2, to two, and in Game 6, this is where you see and why everyone might hate him the person, but you respect him at least as a player. Isaiah injures his ankle and in the third quarter goes off for 20-plus points. And he's obviously injured. He, and, I mean, he's hobbling down the court and just saying, I am refusing to lose. He had talked about before where he would go to these um, uh, Lakers and Celtics finals just to go. Yeah. To see what it's like to win a chance. Like, he's on the cusp of that. And there's he's not going to be denied this season. He's not going to be denied. Unfortunately, they end up losing in that game on a very bad call on Lambeer on Kareem at the end. It is such a powder puff call, and it's such a... In an era of the NBA where you could literally decapitate someone and they'd be like, personal foul. It is really a Laker call. It is so crazy. And yeah, Kareem rips a couple of free throws. They end up going home. Uh, Game seven, and then they win in the forum. And Isaiah's left ringless for another season. Despite and, averaging twenty and nine in the finals, well, you start to think, is it going to happen? Yeah, because you kind of get into these these teams that get there and can't, you know, finish it off. And we see a little. This is sh- a finisher car. This is a finisher team. Bow down to the Detroit Pistons. I am a golden god, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, we see a switch. Uh, in 88-89, they do not start hot. They are not looking like the possible no. NBA champions. And there is a lot of – it's not because the talent's not there. It's the tension. It's the tension between it's Isaiah. and the hips. It's all in the – I got his head, Chubbs. Um, so <laughs> there's tension between Isaiah, of course, and Adrian Dantley. And it comes to a head – and Chuck Daly at this point has had it with Dantley as well. well. I think we brought this up in the Dantley episode was if they had won that championship, this would be different. But I they, can guarantee you if they won in 87-88, there might have been cooled off or Dantley probably might have been traded before the season. It, it, um, yeah, it would have went down different. But man, did it come to a head where Dantley went to the one of the uh, – beat reporters yep and he goes you want to print something print this i hate that guy and he points to isaiah thomas and he just goes you can print that oh god and it's you could just tell that but he's messing with the flow of this team this young team and they're trying to get rodman more minutes because he's playing great at forward yep. like he's starting to get angry and by that time daly's had it isaiah's had it now there are all sorts of conflicting stories on why Adrian Dantley was eventually traded. And who was he traded for, Chris? 
we see this sports spider web. Mark Aguirre comes back <laughs> because around. he's hated in Dallas. He really is, um, which is interesting because I feel like Dallas was looking at what Isaiah was, and they were like, "Why didn't we get?" Yeah. So he, he uh, straight up trade for these two guys, and, and Dantley is pissed, and he is starting to throw around accusations, which might be true, might not be true. We might have discussed it in the episode. Isaiah was the one who made the trade, yes. not general manager Jack McCloskey, not Chuck Daly as a suggestion. And that's one of the biggest NBAs kind of like, did it happen or did it not happen? Did Isaiah basically tell the front office, get this fucker out of here? Uh, it, and you hear players on the team, they're like, that's ridiculous to think that. Yeah. Like you, you weren't in the locker room and then you hear other accounts and you're like, oh, that really seems like Isaiah had a hand in that one with <laughs> – the way that it all kind of went down in, and the way that he is. And sending him to Dallas, which was still the dregs of the NBA, for his best friend, a guy I think whose wedding he was in yep. as well. So, like, and if I'm Dantley, I'm just like, you bastards. <laughs> well, <laughs> but we see it with this next year, too. After this trade, the Pistons start rolling. They're the number one seed in the East. Isaiah has another all-star season. Um, they sweep the Celtics. They sweep Milwaukee. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, they just batter the shit out of Jordan and the Bulls. And this is where they institute the Jordan rule where they That was just... the next year. Oh, okay. Yeah, but this, this but is... But they're still... They're still basically saying, beat us, Jordan. Yeah. Scottie Pippen's not good enough yet. <laughs> so they go to the Finals and they play the Lakers. And Kareem and Magic are hobbled. Uh, after the first couple games in this series, and they're out and out beating the crap out of them. I mean, it's kind of laughable how they essentially dismantled. This was the end of the Lakers, basically, yes. until Shaq and Kobe. Because this is really when everybody gets super injured and AIDS. AIDS, um, yes. Uh, but you see them sweep the Lakers in four, and you're like, oh, this is the Pistons team that we thought, like, Almost that we thought last year was going to happen, not sweep, but like... Uh... But I mean, like for Isaiah and the rest of the team, that had to feel so good because it's like that whole Ric Flair thing. You want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And after like five, it's like half a decade they spent just fucking climbing the mountain. I really thought you were going to say like that Ric Flair thing. Woo! Woo! And then just go on. Uh, yeah, just not even say the quote. Just like that Ric Flair. So Isaiah, he holds the ball at the end of game four as time's expiring. It's his first title, and everything is great for the Pistons. And they're not talking one-peat. They're looking for a repeat here in 89-90. And boy, do well, they... Hold on. There's a little bit of oh, off-season yeah. controversy. That's off-season, yes. Let's get into there. Isaiah controversy. Yeah. So um, it pops up that... It looks like he was involved with some sort of sports gambling. Yeah. Um, this doesn't ever get proven, but it is likely that he was involved in some way. Yeah. Um, the beat reporter or whatever for the Pistons were, like told him, and it's like, I have to write this story. Like, I can't let this Yeah, I can't go. not tell people what um, happened. I think the FBI were investigating checks that he had written to somebody who was obviously like a uh, and they were personal bookie. checks. Yeah. It was like obviously a bookie. <laughs> um, it actually comes out later. There was like a book written about him and a couple other players that – and this was allegedly – Allegedly. Um, he lost over a million dollars in a high-stakes dice game, <laughs> which I still – Did he lose to Ashy Larry from Chappelle's show? Thank you. God, I yeah. still think of that every single time. <laughs> Rest has it, been on PCP. <laughs> got jacked. <laughs> It's just, it's so crazy. 
to think that you would lose, but uh, hey. A million, but I mean, when you think about it, though, and you think of players like Michael Jordan, these guys are like competition addicts, essentially. Like, how they're such, that's, su- that's I mean, a good, the uh, fact yeah. that they're degenerate gamblers should, like, Not surprise any- nobody. Yes. I mean, granted, as long, I mean, I don't think they're the type of people that would fix games, because they're competition addicts. They want to win. But betting on everything else? Yep. Oh, God, yeah. And that's just not relegated to Isaiah, Michael Jordan. This is just, like, all a, of them. Yeah, a normal kind of behavior that these guys, especially in the offseason, they're like, let's get some gambling Let's going. cut our hair like Pete Rose and go down to the casino. That's right. <laughs> so, let's head on some ponies. <laughs> 89-90. Isaiah has another solid year, uh, 18.2 points a game, uh, just under 10 assists and 3.4 rebounds. Uh, again, from the tops in the Eastern Conference, they sweep Indiana with some Cheryl Miller energy. Uh, they beat uh, the Knicks in five. And then the Bulls take him to the limit in this, this series. This is the Jordan Rule series because now Chicago under Phil Jackson is really starting to challenge them. Yep and challenge their toughness. And they get driven to a seventh game, but their coaching staff figures out the Jordan rules, which basically makes him beat them by doing things that he's not the greatest at. And they manage to limit him. Scottie Pippen in game seven has a migraine problem, and they end up winning the series. And they get to go to the finals again and play the Trailblazers. Not the Jail Blazers, not no. the Sabone Zone Blazers, the, uh, but the Clyde Drexler Blazers. The Clyde the Glide. Um, series is tied one uh, one to one uh, up in uh, uh, after Detroit, and then they go to Portland for Game Three, and Isaiah just goes off in this series. Just absolutely, like he proves that he's one of the best in the NBA. Game Three to when they win is essentially like him being like I. This is like my stamp, especially with back-to-back championships. Yeah. It's such a great – for him, being like, we got Adrian out of there. Yeah. We got my boy in, and then we just went back-to-back. Robin's playing imagine. more, maybe thinking about getting a tattoo or two, maybe buying a wedding dress. We don't know. We don't know the thoughts that we're going through is, at this point – Undyed hair. Undyed hair. Yeah, go look that shit up. It's real. <laughs> but uh, he's the finals MVP, uh, 27.6 points a game and seven assists. And they're on top of the world, man. Yeah. Two in a row. And like to think, we'll get into more dickishness, but he was one of the best players in probably the best era of basketball. Well, my favorite quote, um, they were talking about them struggling, and this was probably like 86 or something, was Chuck Daly was screaming at his team, and he looked at Isaiah, and he goes, what do you do best? And Isaiah said, lead. And then he said, well, fucking lead them. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so great. But then this is where I want to get into a little bit of a dream team. Yeah, let's let's talk about Do Do you want to do 90-91 and what happens in the Eastern oh, Conference yeah. Finals? Let's do that one I first. I completely forgot yeah. about So 90-91, they're two in a row. They're going for that elusive three-peat. Isaiah misses a lot of the year due to a wrist injury, but they're still one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, uh, 16 points a game, uh, almost 10 assists. Uh, they beat the Hawks in five. They barely squeaked by them. Then they beat an aged, like completely aged Celtics yep. team in six. And then they draw the Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals, who have finally had enough of Detroit shit. They've finally gelled as a team. Scottie Pippen is an awesome number two. And they've had enough. And, and when you think about how many extra games Detroit has played in the last five or six years, they're tired. They're old. 
outside of really Rodman and Dumars, like they're they're definitely an aging team, and this is Jordan in his prime, where we see Jordan almost kind of take over. This the is a NBA. pissed off Michael Jordan. You yep. don't like. There's two athletes you don't make mad: Tom Brady and Michael Jordan, because they will take your soul. Cheryl Miller <laughs> and Cheryl Miller. She will. You, she'll go for a hundred in a high school game. Damn it! I didn't know her younger brother played basketball. <laughs> But in Game 4, after Chicago has basically just beaten them mercilessly, there's still like, what, two or three seconds left on the clock before the end of the game. And Isaiah, as the ringleader of the Pistons, after there's a stoppage in play, and Daly's taking out all his starters because they know what's going to happen. They're going to lose the game. They don't even stay till the end of the game, Chris. And if you watch it, it really is Isaiah being like, let's get out of here. We're done. And gets up and starts to walk to the locker room, which you just don't do. It's um, a punk bitch move. It is. To not do to not shake your opponent. And you can even do like the Christmas vacation with Chevy Chase, like Merry Christmas. Merry kiss my ass. Merry kiss your ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss Happy <laughs> Hanukkah. Like, just be like, congratulations. Go fuck yourself. Like, yeah. come on. You don't even have the decency to do that. And that like really casts another negative light on him as a person and NBA player. And just a not a poor loser, but almost just like you, you could see the what Adrian was saying. You could see what all these players were saying. Yeah. You're just like he is so hard to work with. And that was kind of the end of the Pistons or that Piston team because like you were saying, they're kind of aging out. They get rid of Rodman. Um, yeah, he's traded to San Antonio for Sean Elliott and then traded back to San Antonio, <laughs> which is great. I, I love that. Yeah, because the following season, they lose in the first round of the Knicks. Yep. 92-93, um, they don't even make the playoffs. And then by 93-94, he's averaging less than 15 a game and under seven assists. And, and on April 19th, yeah. he has an Achilles injury. And, and it's done. a bad one. Yeah. It's bad. Um, it's career ending. They they even said that you'll never come back. It's not one of those where you're just like, well, you, it was like, oh, you're you're done. So he ends up retiring. And he even said this, which I thought was kind of interesting. He he goes, um, like two months ago, I was like, oh, I'm coming back next year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it because I think it was his 13th year, um, but, 12, 12 of which were All Star years. But at the at this juncture for the Pistons, they're dog shit. They're completely rebuilding. And actually, the next year is when they draft Grant Hill. Yeah. So after Isaiah's injury, where you bring in the new era, that was like the end. That was the absolute end for Isaiah and the Pistons. And the really. bad boy. And the bad boys. Yeah. yeah. Then you have the good boy, Grant Hill. I'm, I hate liking you, Grant Hill. I just oh, do. yeah. I, I, Going I know to what Duke you mean. and being a decent person. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Isaiah, incredible career. But let's talk about what we had discussed before, oh. that Eastern Conference Finals against the Bulls. They're talking about a dream team after the 88 Olympics. They're, so, they're looking to build the greatest collection of NBA talent ever to sh- tell the rest of the world to go fuck themselves and their pro players in the Olympics. And you'd think Isaiah would be in that conversation, don't you, Chris, about He's, 1992? Especially in this era like Pat Riley said, it was some of the best point guard play with it. Just to point it out, like with the 15 points, 12 assists, five rebound a game. That's what you're kind of expecting from him in this, um, that's dream a, team. That's a normal night for him. That's, that's a, no- yes. yeah, that's just like, you can lock that in. That's you what can I lock mean. in more if you wanted to. Um, so going into this, everybody kind of thought he was going to do the, almost be a leader on this team. 
I can only imagine. I can, yeah. What Jordan Bird and Magic said was, we would never take orders from. We hate him so much. We're gonna give this guy a gold medal. How about that awesome guy in Utah with the tidy whities and nut huggers? I'll tell you who. What they Christian wanted. Christian Leitner, sure. Why not? Fuck this guy. No, I'll tell you what they wanted was they said, we don't want some dickhead running point guard who's going to tell us what to do. We want some white guy who's just going to pass and shut the fuck up. John Stockton is his name? All right, bring him in. <laughs> Wait, you mean he's going to lead the league and break my record as magic for assists in a career? Yeah, John Stockton, come on down. And that's, I feel like, one of the more important things that you see with this dream team was it wasn't a competition necessarily because it was a competition within, but it wasn't negative in that. Like if Isaiah had gone, it would have been they would everyone would have hated him. I can't even imagine what it would have been like. I think like the only guy that nobody really liked was Leitner because he wasn't a pro. He wasn't a pro. That's what I mean. But and he all, wasn't up to the caliber that they were. Yeah, and all the other guys were like stars. But they weren't like, you know, there's competition, but it's not like, God, I fucking hate your guts. Yeah. It's just like, remember when I swept you in the playoffs? My team swept you in the playoffs yeah, last yeah. year? It was more just like talking shit like yeah. they would do. Um, yeah. That Jordan takes just talent everybody to oh. piss off Jordan, Bird, and Magic. My God, Isaiah. It's – and nobody – that was the other thing was – Carl uh, Malone, fantastic man. He's a dick, but they Never still got done along anything with him. wrong. But he, he hated him. Everybody hate. That was the thing about Isaiah was there wasn't he he like isolated himself from so many basketball circles that literally when it came time to pick teams, he didn't get picked last. He literally didn't get picked at all. That's that's how ridiculous it was. Yeah, I mean, did he did did his talent. Should his talent have put him on that team? Absolutely. But, man, his other talents took him right off that team. Well, and then we see how, because later in his life, when he tries to stay in basketball, we see how... Oh, he tries to stay in basketball, all right. It just does not... He does not work well with others. Just that, oh, Can't God. share... Can't share... Toys. So afterwards, after his career ends, he goes to work in the front office for the Raptors. Well, this was... He said it was really disappointing because he thought he was going to go to work in the front office with the Pistons, and it was one of, if not the first time, that a team tried to take someone directly off the court and put him in the front office. Yeah. And he said it... it they just lit... Both of them, himself and the Pistons, just had no idea how to make that happen. And they were just both demanding stuff that was absolutely <laughs> outrageous. And it was just like, all right. So goes to the Raptors. And then they do draft some good players while he's there. I believe he's an executive VP. Yeah, Damon Stoudemire. Let's take weed through T- Tucson International Airport. One whole Tracy pound, Brady. sir. <laughs> oh, God. Um, he left in uh, 1998, though, because... They're under new management, and he didn't know what his role was, and I'm sure he was kind of a dick. Well, and he wanted more control. He wanted yeah. it to be his vision of what was going to happen, and then we see him buy the CBA. into, And this is probably one of the biggest dickhead moves. Oh, dude, it is like... Because he's on NBA on NBC for a while, and you think, that's good for him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's good. They got a good theme song. On NBA on NBC. Oh, yeah, because he is doing that for a minute. Yeah, but he goes and buys a CBA team uh, in 1998 and or 
from 1998 to 2000, and you're thinking, man, he might he's talking all he's saying all the right things. I was going to say he's promising a lot of he's schmoozing a lot of people. He's promising the world to some of these owners to build a legitimate minor league, something that might even rival the NBA one day. That's what he's saying, and then he realizes he can make five million a year coaching the. Pacers. Yeah. So, and he's using the excuse, oh, they're bankrupt, everything else. And basically, what Trump did to the USFL is what Isaiah Thomas did to the CBA. He was like, they're bankrupt. And the the CBA was like, you bankrupt us. And they were like, I know, that's how I know you're bankrupt. (laughs) Although, he had some good ideas regarding streaming games and, like, as far as, like, fan interaction with games. It's almost very xfl in that way, but yes. it was just run so poorly. So he takes over the Pacers. Takes um, over the Pacers after Larry Bird retires as head coach. And uh, he's got a young team. He's and I was going to say, they're, they're not a great team, but they're a very young team, so they're building. They're building. Um, he takes them to the playoffs every year that he's there. Yep. They're fresh off an NBA Finals appearance against the Lakers. And, uh, well, they just have some Cheryl Miller energy in the playoffs, Chris. They lose in the first round, I think, three in a row. Three in a row, yeah. And uh, Larry Bird comes back um, as far as GM and says, no, nah, I'm putting my buddy Rick Carlisle in charge Well, and to get in fights in Detroit. Isaiah said it was very disappointing, but he could pretty much see it coming where – he just he wasn't Larry Bird's guy, and as GM, you, you have to work with your coach. And he had already had this relationship with Rick Carlisle, and he was just like they played together. I think in Boston too. Yeah. So, so I mean, it was almost an obvious kind of replacement. And Larry already had a relationship with Isaiah, a great one from their playing days. Best buds, best buds. But Isaiah's not unemployed for long, which proves that with a nice smile, you can pretty much get away with. Pretty much damn anything and get as many chances as you'd like. I was going to say I thought it was going to prove how bad the Knicks run their organization, but... (laughs) (laughs) God. Uh. So in December 2003, the Knicks hire him as president of basketball operations. And now we start getting into the Knicks that we noted. Because they were, in the late 90s, early 2000s, they were still competitive. They were, you know, not the best in the East, but they still had good players. Uh, not so much anymore with Isaiah. It was Isaiah. a really shit show of not drafting well, not getting free agents. It was like players didn't want to come to New York it anymore. Was it was overpaying players that were past everything. their prime. Everything. It was basically you were on the second or on the bottom floor of a two-story outhouse if you're a Knicks fan. And then he might have sexually assaulted some people. Yes, there was the sexual harassment lawsuit against Thomas in Madison Square Garden, which I believe resulted in an $11.5 million payout. So he's not only embarrassing the team on the court, it's off the court. And that's kind of like his end in NBA. Yeah, because by 2008, after he's coaching the team, they say, you know what? You put the shitty product on the floor. We're firing Larry Brown. You make it work or you're out of here. By 2008, in April, when he's fired, he has a 341 winning percentage, has tied the rec- franchise record for losses in a season, and essentially made the franchise into a laughing stock, which was a staple of the NBA. Would, I and mean, they're still, they literally still haven't recovered. No. Not even, they, they still are a broken franchise. So, And what's crazy, he gets a job coaching in college again at mm-hmm. Florida International. I mean, he's going to keep getting chances, Chris. I can't wait to see where the next one is. I imagine he'll 
show up in a college, you know, a Southern Baptist uh, something. He'll show up at a college, maybe hit on a few chicks. We don't know what Isaiah's going to do. But uh, well, I did want to, you know, we've been making jokes, but I just wanted to say this guy was a 12-time All-Star, five times first-team All-NBA, a Rookie of the Year, two-time NBA champion, a finals MVP, one of the 50 and 75 greatest players in NBA history, averaged 19.2 points a game, 3.6 rebounds, and 9.3 assists. That's a hell of a career. And I feel like back-to-back championships in one of the hardest eras to win it, Yeah, which doesn't get enough credit where it's like, oh, yeah, they beat Jordan and Bird and Magic to win these championships. Um, Yeah, Uh, uh, really – one of the greatest players and biggest assholes. Biggest assholes, Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Thomas. <laughs>